what's up, what's up, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode, what is this, seven, West, seven or eight of the Confidently Wrong podcast. We are glad today to have a new introduction to the squad. So welcome, Hello. Savon Jones. Wow, Savon. Hey. Yeah, there we go. All right. So we actually have a lot to talk about today. So we're going to, we'll briefly hit on um, the PS5 news from the week couple movie trailers that are kind of old so the batman and then justice league and then i think we're gonna start diving into everybody's new favorite netflix show avatar the legend of korra sounds like a plan oh, all right yeah. wait wait so can i talk about how i got a brand new fucking tv this all right week? so we do for like we, four seconds all right so wesley got an oled tv the oled the, in the house the lg so what are your thoughts, Wesley? How are you liking this? Okay, so, so just real briefly. Uh, first of all, I'm very bad at making decisions. So I went back and forth 80,000 times on like, which TV would be good? What's our right price point? What's like the like the quality I want? What's like the size that I want? So anyways, long, a lot of like wasted time. And finally, Jen was like, I think you're spending too much time on this TV. Like even if it's $500 more, like just get the more expensive one. Like at this point, just I don't care. And I was like, great. So then this is your wife who's a doctor saying this. That's how so just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. qualify that. And she was like, we'll find the money elsewhere in our budget. Just do it. Like stop spending time. The doctor saying this to you, the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find that money in a jacket pocket. <laughs> in my lab coat <laughs> well yeah i mean it's not like our finances are like super great i mean they're definitely fine but like they're not super great just because she has a gazillion dollars in loans so true we, i mean shit we true. pay like thousands of dollars in loans every month true. just on like her student loans sure so big big takeaways on the oled like i can't tell because i i don't put them side by side but I'm just telling myself now after a week of using it, I'm like, this picture is so good. It's like we're, we moved up from 1080 whatever P or I to because uh, it's like a 12 year old TV to oh. 4K. So obviously the quality's got to be better. I don't know if I can tell the difference, like if you put them side by side, but you, I'm just I telling myself that I can. Dude, and my then, phone looks better than your 12 year old TV. <laughs> you probably <laughs> have a whole, not like a good comparison. <laughs> and you know it's uh the colors must be richer because it's oled right you know and that and true black wesley and the true, true black. black every review says inky blacks i mean like i swear to god they get paid to say inky black in all these reviews <laughs> um does it spray the it ink is, at is, you that sounds like a porn very star black. it is it is so dark the dark parts it's like a low so, screen just look like you turn the tv off <laughs> dude true honestly it does it does look like you haven't turned the TV on, uh, and you have. I mean, which is like right, right? Because the 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 LEDs actually aren't on; um, they just turn them off when you get down to black. But so the the one downside maybe is that like at those like dark scenes, sometimes it's a little bit hard to yeah. see what's going on. Yeah. So like we were watching, or I was watching Greyhound this morning on Apple TV Plus, the Tom Hanks movie, which like don't watch it; it's not good. But there's a lot of scenes inside the ship that are dark, and it's hard to actually see like besides his face like you can't really see what's like around him yeah and then so i had to like close the blinds to actually see it and then in apex when i'm playing uh, anytime i'm like inside yeah. uh a building i can't see the people running around so i actually turned the brightness up by like 20 out of like 100 scale or something because i was i just can't play because i'm just there's nobody to shoot at so i, I think the, those are the downsides everything else seems to be an upside i love it it's great i think the thing with those tvs is you do need to actually calibrate them quite a bit 
I think one of the selling points for that specific one, because I want that one, is that you don't need to do too much calibration for it. But one of the downsides they, they mentioned in the ratings review was specifically gaming. And, uh, and my main game right now is Warzone, which like the color palette, color palette is like all dark colors. So I was like, all right, well, now I'll have something else to blame. Why I suck. <laughs> I'm telling myself that I'm playing better than ever because now it's in you know upscaled 4K. So you gotta find one of them really you know colorful whimsical games. Cause yeah, like, Kyle, I feel like playing Kyle yeah. on a fancy TV. Like, okay, well, yeah, you can play like Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah, I'll play like Galaxy. Four times more pixels, you know. So obviously, I'm seeing the enemies better, you know. Oh, and it's bigger, right? I went from 40 to 55. Also, 65 would have been a mistake. I would be throwing up all over the place. <laughs> so what you guys, what you guys are saying? This TV not great for uh, military FPS. combatants, but fantastic for Goombas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a good so take. That's away. not a stellar great. review great. for this TV. I like it. Inky Blacks makes more sense. Yeah, or Toad the Mushroom guy, he would be amazing. Yoshi and Toad, like Mario Kart, would be like Ooh, fucking unreal yeah. on his TV. Or Have Monster you been watching Mario. the basketball? On it? Yes. And what is that like? It's good. That, it's very good. The yesterday I had to adjust it just a little bit because it was a little bit too like orangey. Yeah. Like Charles Barkley was starting to look a little orangey, but <laughs> otherwise it's been solid. All right. Well, it's been solid. Let's we, move we on. Love but to hear yeah, it's I I I recommend the OLED if you can afford it. Uh, I was considering the TCL 6 series, TCL 8 series, and Samsung Q80T um, as like alternatives. All right, well, moving on. So speaking of gaming, so this Wednesday was the last major PS5 event before um, the console will actually release. Um, it was like a part A and part B in terms of events, right? They, well, they had did the, the trade, and yeah. then they had the pre-order fuck up. Yeah, well, we'll get part to that. Two. So the first part of the game of the showcase was they did some trailers and some gameplay. So they opened with Miles Morales, which I think looks fucking awesome. I'm definitely gonna day one that. Um, they did a few new things. The major new reveal was this Harry Potter game. Which me, and I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, I'm also thinking I'm going to day one that because that just looks super fucking cool. Especially going to the 1800s. So, I don't know if y'all have any thoughts on that game or either the Miles Morales gameplay, but I was honestly very impressed with everything I saw gameplay-wise. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in the Harry Potter game. Like, I liked Harry Potter as a kid. I never really watched the movies. I read all the books. But, like, this is one of those things where... The IP is a good concept to work with, and that'll draw people in. But what's the actual execution going to look like? And if you do it right, you're going to win a lot of people over. But the flip side is you have one of those games that just slaps the Harry Potter label on it, and then it's something that's mediocre. But like, like I thought this new Spider-Man was a good example, right? Like, I'm not even a big Spider-Man fan, but they just execute, like, as a character, but they just executed the production in the game so well that... Even if you're not a Spider-Man fan, you're going to enjoy the game. So my and, hope is that this Harry Potter game does the same. There's monsters, there's lore. The books really fleshed out this big world that exists. Like, all right, cool, y'all got something to work with. Like, let's see what it looks like in practical execution. And I think, like, 
to kind of hammer home your point, the Avengers is kind of a perfect example of that, right? Like, are any of you remotely interested in that Avengers game? And this I'm is remotely interested. I'm but not, not going to buy I'll, it. I'll get it for like five dollars, like in two years. But exactly. like, this is like literally a podcast, like about just nerdy shit, and like that hasn't even breached like anything we're remotely going to talk about because it's like the best IP in the world, and they just completely made a milk toast version of it. So. <laughs> yeah, most well, most blockbuster in, movies. Though. Why are they still alive? Right, like. Uh, no, it's people. it's a new. It's not the, the movie though. It's like it's and this Spider Man in the game is supposed to connect to this Avengers game, but it just no one gives a shit about it. It just looks mediocre. It looks like the mayonnaise of video games. And no one really but that, that has been true throughout the entire history of video games, right? Like any major IP translated into a video game from like the NES onward, usually not great, right? There's only like a. Uh, what like five probably five amazing games like that you know like some of the recent batmans the uh, the latest spider-man yeah and that's it yeah. <laughs> well i feel like those were made yeah. independently of the movies Superman though game? which is like the the biggest difference right like yeah the spider-man game didn't try and be the movies it was its own thing i feel like the marvel game kind of half-assed it i'm like all right well it's its own story and continuity, but we're also going to use the likeness of Mark Ruffalo for Hulk. I'm like, you got to make up your mind because yeah. now I'm having trouble. Like, is it based on the MCU or is it its own thing? But that makes it harder to establish its own identity, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And like the the creatives behind these games, once they're once they're unattached from those kind of uh, requirements from the movie studios, then they can go all out and they get really creative. But that, that was one thing about the Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man trailer with Miles Morales. I was like, oh, man, he doesn't look like into the Spider-Verse Miles Morales. I was a little thrown off by that. I kind of I would love to see a Spider-Verse, into the Spider-Verse adaptation into a game. Ooh, just because be cool. that, that art style is incredible. They're definitely going to do a suit. I would be very shocked if they don't have the Spider-Verse suit in the game. But... I think you're right. But you'd have to get you'd have to get like the writers. Well, that's and, what they like, did. The art directors from yeah. into the Spider Verse yeah. to then like now work on this, and they're probably working on like the sequel, right? Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. And so, especially like the, the animation in that movie is so completely unique and like so ambitious in the amount of stuff that goes into an individual shot. Like, seems like that's something the PS5 would be able to do with just like everything we're seeing about how hardware can like actually impact what they're able to do visually and functionally in games but yeah i can't see that visually i really get a kick out of fisk his head's like in his chest (laughs) it's like it's like a hunchback it's great i love it all right any other thoughts about gameplay or game trailers before we move on to how sony has fucked the consumer i think i was just disappointed that there wasn't anything new it it was like the same trailers they used in june or whatever that last event was and it was like why is this 45 minutes of the same trailers you've already seen like nothing new happened here thanks guys i gotta tell you guys i am not sold on the ps5 or rather i'm not i'm not sold in the way that you guys are i've i've owned every Mm. playstation uh and i'm i'll definitely get a ps5 eventually but i'm not like you know trying to order it at midnight like you guys did um (laughs) so i'd love for you to explain to me why and like part of my reasoning is like well i looked at the games and like yeah they're cool and stuff but i'm not i'm not dying to play one of those immediately 
Yeah, I mean, Wesley, I think you have a better understanding because we did. We actually did an episode on this, Brian, um, before. <laughs> I totally missed <laughs> it. <laughs> Brian. No. <laughs> Was that Brian in the prep document? doesn't read his briefings. He doesn't listen to the old episodes. It's like I'm really beginning to question your commitment. Such a diva. He just shows up and is like, guys, it better be working. <laughs> but yeah, Wesley, give us like the one minute okay. of why yeah, yeah. the hardware is going to actually be able to impact gaming. In a yeah, I think based way. on what we talked about last time or the in that episode, it was really about like a both like both new generation consoles, Xbox Series X and PS5 are going to have like way faster hard disks than they have now. And so... You're going to like developers are going to be able to a make games either richer because now they're going to be able to load in like much higher resolution stuff. Right. Um, and then I think they call them like assets like, in the, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, Anna could tell us, but they also are going to be able to like not limit how they build the worlds anymore. So, I mean, maybe this is something that will take them getting used to at first, but like they were talking about how like you often see worlds or maps built in like kind of this maze structure and you're like choked off in like either long hallways or an elevator ride or like the subway ride. But because they're going to be able to load the level as you play it, like you won't have those things. So like you could much more like fluidly flow between different areas and the story doesn't have to stop and start. And so you don't have to feel like you're coming out of it and then jumping back in. Um, And maybe gamers are used to those breaks now, but like, you know, there's some developers out there, I'm sure, that are going to make advantage of that and be like, we're going to make this story actually, like, feel flowy and feel more like, you know, a movie instead of... Um, like No Man's like, Sky? Start chapters. Uh, I'm not familiar with that, but yeah, maybe. It's kind of like... Uh, and I think Ratchet and, Clank, Ratchet and Clank is supposed to be the first big example of this because the whole point of the game is, like, teleporting between worlds and because of the solid-state drive on the PS5, mm. you're able to go in between worlds without it loading. So the examples in, like, Last of Us 2, like, they load a new area by having you, like, try and open that door in Mash Triangle. God of War did it, too, with, like, crawling in between, um, like, the God of War did it as well. I mean, like, crawling in between the certain areas, that's just a sneaky way of them loading in the new areas. Mm-hmm. But being able to cut that out, it seems like they're actually going to be able to create, like, on the creative end, not just the technical end, it's going to really open up the game. The older I God think of War did second that, reason? Yeah, I mean, they I mean, very, games have been doing this yeah, forever, right? Yeah, organically like, built in loading screens, long, like yeah. you say, elevator rides, long bridges, dialogue, like yeah, as ways to force I mean, walking. In, Mar- dialogue. in the original SNES Mario or the NES Mario, you had to like stop after every right, like yeah, yeah, know, it was like one one, feet. one two, yeah, one yeah. three, exactly. <laughs> that was them loading in different things, chapters. Um, and then I think the other thing that I'm really excited about is the graphics should be much better. Like not only are they going to have like better graphics card, obviously, but the system itself should be able to pump out 4k, um, 120 images. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to game at 120. That, that doesn't seem like it's for sure. I think they've like said like it's possible, but even if you're doing 4k 60 or 4k 30, right? Like you're just getting more picture for your, for your buck. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, that's partly why I wanted to get a new TV to match up with that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then there's going to be more 4K content that's available that the PS5 will be able to push to your TV, right? So even if it's not games, mm. you're going to be able to watch movies, you're going to be able to stream, whatever, right? Like all of that stuff's going to come through that PS5 much better. So I'm excited about the, all of those things. So then I guess like the next thing, and this is a good segue actually, is one. So there were a few things I think people are kind of upset with Sony about this week. The first being this pre-order debacle. We'll get to that in a second. But I think the second, and this is a bit more nuanced, and I think you were a little bit spicy about this, Wesley, in the other direction, was that they announced 
um, this week that two major games that I think were initially sold as PS5 exclusives, the Horizon sequel, Horizon Forbidden West, and this Miles Morales game, are actually also going to come out on PS4. And we talked about this. All of us are really excited for both of those games. Obviously, yeah. Bonnie, are you? Savan, are you also into those? What, the new Spider-Man game? And 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 the Horizon Zero Dawn sequel. Uh, I had never played the first Horizon. Okay. And that wasn't because I didn't think it was good. It's just like... I think Alan mentioned this once. Like I have, I've just played a lot of third-person action games. Like, and I only have an appetite for so many. Like between Witcher, God of War, but like I've heard nothing but good things about it. So I would probably like watch a YouTube video and play the sequel. I am excited for Spider-Man Miles Morales. Like, I I thoroughly enjoyed Spider-Man as a not Spider-Man fan. So I'm very excited for the next game. I don't know how anyone could not be a Spider-Man fan, but we don't need to get into that right now. <laughs> he's just not. He's just not my favorite character. I don't dislike him, but I'm very neutral on him. But anyway, so I think the concern is that not only does it seem a bit misleading to initially say these games are going to be like, you know, first party PS5 exclusives, but now people are concerned that, okay, if this game is coming out on PS4, um, is that really going to enable them to take full advantage of the PS5? And everything we were just talking about is like, because of the new hardware, like you can do so many things, but if the game's also coming out on PS4, that's kind of concerning of like, okay, well, is it actually going to take over the PS5? So Wes, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I well, you sent us an article or a, a think piece that <laughs> that somebody wrote um, that was like, I think we're losing trust in Sony based on what it says or whatever. Like, can we really trust that Sony's going to do what it says it's going to do? And like the sense of entitlement that people who are really upset about this like just amazes me, right? Like. You having a PS5 and getting the PS5 version of the game is great, right? Like, you're going to enjoy your game. Somebody else having the PS4 and getting the PS4 version of the game impacts you in zero, zero percent of a way. Well, the argument is it's a lesser product. Yeah, but, like, so? Like, (laughs) I mean, you... Like, A, we trust that, like, whoever the... I don't know who the studio is that did Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, they're going to put out a good game. So, like, I mean, I think we trust them. Like, obviously, the gameplay is what matters the most, right? And if they're going to put out a good game like they did last time or just, like, Naughty Dog put out a great The Last of Us 2 game and we're assuming that... Who's Insomniac does um, Spider-Man? Like, Mm -hmm. we're assuming they're going to do a good game. Like, they've already done these things in the the aspect of PS4, right? Like, you're not going to miss these extra features in the game given that it's so early in the life cycle of the the console and like it's sort of unrealistic to be like hey on day one or in even like year one that all the developers are gonna like be able to maximize the potential and come up with all these ideas when they haven't even seen the console in real life so like if they're putting out a great game awesome thanks like thank you to those developers for doing that and thank you to sony for pushing everybody moving forward but like these things happen like in steps, right? And no one, I don't think anybody got mad that Ghost was available, like Call of Duty Ghost was available on PS4 and PS5 or PS3 and PS4, sorry, you know, on that transition. Like there's going to be a period of transition. Like I don't understand the outrage that some people have about this. Like if you, and and, like, as we saw, like with the pre-order debacle, not everybody's going to have a PS5 at launch. So like, you know, are you going to say, like, well, the, the people who didn't get a PS5 don't get to play this, like, amazing game? Like, nah, fuck you. Like, go and get your PS5, be happy about your game, and, like, move about your day. Like, I don't 
don't understand what what your problem is. Before we get to the pre-order debacle, like you know me, I get my energy off of people on the internet getting mad about stuff. And I saw this. So apparently, like troll they, trolls. Of course, Gorilla like had to put out a statement, and they were like, "Oh no, don't worry. Like Forbidden West is going to be like built from the ground up." And like there were comments on Reddit was like, well, then I'm going to need a video proving how you're doing that. So I really want to see how you're scaling it back for PS4 just so I can be sure that you're building it back for the PS5. So it's like and it's funny because I think a lot of the changes outside of things like, you know, level loading and stuff like that. A lot of the stuff you're not going to be able to notice, like you're not going to be able to really clearly see some of the graphical improvements and stuff like that. So I do wonder if like people just like get mad about it without really understanding like the actual technical implications of these things. And I think that a lot of developers are at this point just kind of have to ignore that shit and try and placate people at the same time. So I mean, you could make a fucking game like what is that? What is that game that's real popular now? Where you got to like race through the little fucking rainbow colored world. Fall guys. Oh, Fallout guys. Yeah. There's no like graphic, like crazy <laughs> intensive thing there, right? Like people are playing the game because it's fun. So make a fun fucking game, which they're doing. And then like, what else are you complaining about? Like, oh, the developers made a fun game, but like, oh, somebody else got to play this fun game. So now I'm mad. Like, nah, fuck you, bro. Like somebody else's like happiness is not tied to yours, right? Like, Wes, just be happy. You, well, you make an interesting point because like, I, this is how I think about it, right? Like all the technical technical advancements that you outlined they sound like great and all of that but i'm not it doesn't it doesn't encourage me to go out and get that ps5 immediately and that's kind of you know have we reached a point in video gaming where there's such like a wide array of product out there like all good games like stuff like what you just mentioned like fallout guys which has shitty graphics like i played stuff on the switch I play stuff on my phone, all fantastic, phenomenal games that don't require the hardware that the PS5 needs. Like, have we have we just reached a saturation point? Like we, you know, like some of these advancements are are like almost too incremental to really, you know, merit like the, you know, those those console exclusives that we grew up being used to. Um maybe, Maybe maybe we're hitting like a a new point in in video gaming. Brian, I, I mean, I feel you. Um, I do think with the graphics, there is like a diminishing returns at a certain point where, like Wesley, you were kind of mentioning it with your TV, right? Like you were kind of hinting at it that at a certain point when your stuff got, starts getting so nice, it's just you know you're diminishing returns. It's not going to look as good, even though it's technically better. But and I think anyone who's played like to your point, I've had every PlayStation. And they always do a game on like the the fading out console and the new one. Anyone who's got a new console knows that the new games are mostly tech demos, like for the most part early on. That's not a knock on them, but they, to Mike's point, they don't have a chance to maximize what the the console can do yet. So all it is is a tech demo, and then down the line is when you really get to see the fleshed out gameplay yeah. and whatnot. But I feel like nowadays, like a lot of people aren't going to be won over on graphics as much, and it is going to come down to like dynamic gameplay the question is can you leverage the playstation 5's potential to make better gameplay or are you only making a prettier game because you know for some of my games now like i don't care about the graphics at this point i need the controls to work i need the online to be good i need it to be a, a game that works 
slightly better loading doesn't really make a difference to me. It might to somebody else, though, depending on what kind of game you're playing. But, like, Sony is definitely going to have to, or maybe not Sony, but the developers are definitely going to, I mean, I'm getting a PS5, but, like, it's the, the balls in their court on using. I mean, but balls in their court on using all this new technological ceiling to actually make better gameplay, not just better visuals. I'll, I'd say I've been dabbling in uh, 2K20 because it was on sale a couple months ago, and like the load times in that one are ridiculous. Ugh. And like, if I think one right, like part of that is because they probably are trying to push the ps4's like graphics and ram to like the max right and i'm on ps4 i'm not on ps4 pro like mike um you know i don't i don't have that nice it'll nice make, ps4 pro goodness it'll make but... a difference. <laughs> bite your fucking tongue <laughs> i like my ps4 amateur my PS4 launch my launch yeah um yeah that's what i'm gonna claim like i was in on the ground floor but Right, like as the the games have gone on, the load times might go up, right? Because they're trying to pack more into it. But as a player, like it's frustrating, man, when it's taking, you know, a minute to load one game. You got to watch the stupid NBA 2K preview show. God damn it, I wish they would stop that. Um, like those hosts are so annoying. But like, yeah, I mean, right? Like, if that was cut, right, to like five seconds to load the game, man, you could get so many more games in and grinding, yeah, you know, your overall edges or whatever and VC my player. And all that. Yeah, all of that would be just faster. You you get to like play the actual game instead of watching the stupid loading screen. All I don't so, know if y'all played Ghost of Tsushima, but that game has almost no, no load time. It's crazy. Oh, like awesome. fast traveling is maybe three seconds, and it really does impact. Um, Three seconds or 30? Three. It's crazy. Three. Wow. But here's the thing. The game's kind of boring. And this is a hot take. And we don't need to get into it. But it's kind of just like go. And it's really beautiful. And like the way they're able to like animate the world is like really peeking out the PS4. Like there's leaves falling everywhere. Like it looks like like a Kurosawa movie. But it's at the core of it, it's just go here and kill people. Go here and kill people. Go here and kill people. And it's like, I'm I just kind of like burned out on that. So it's a really great example of how like you can maximize the hardware, but if you are actually not really like building a like a holistic product that is really pushing things, then it's just kind of like, well, what are we doing? Well, you've played both. How is that different than like the original or not the original, like the Spider-Man from a couple of years ago? Like that is also go here wrap up some people punch them in the face and then you go to the next thing like yeah well i mean i i think a traversal in spider-man is a huge thing and i think because that is unique that it adds a whole other level to the game so i think like web slinging is dope like that it also just has a really great story and i think the ghost of tsushima story falls flat a bit um but we don't need to get into that game but what i do want to orders yeah, exactly. So, Brian, you saying, oh, you're not going to get it on day one, it's fine because you're not going to fucking be able to because what happened was <laughs> Sony, and this is the other thing that has um, upset my internet friends, is um, <laughs> they said they were not going to give, like, zero notice for pre-orders, but almost immediately after this event, um, pre-orders went live on major retails, Best Buy, you know, Walmart, what have you. And they were gone within seconds. And I had signed up for the emails to get it, but we were celebrating Anna's new job, so I had quite a few drinks and missed that email. Um, so now I, there's just no way to get a pre-order now, and of course the scalping is a thing again. It's not really anything to talk about, but I think like that is also kind of like the eroding trust thing. But I also don't know if that's necessarily Sony's fault. I think that is more like a knock on um, retailers. So I don't know if y'all have any thoughts on that, but 
I didn't get a pre-order. I know one person who got a pre-order, and that's it. Hey, our one of our fans, Matt, got a pre-order for the digital edition. Oh, yeah? Nice. On Target, yeah. All right, well, if Sony wants to sponsor us down the line, we'll take uh, four PlayStation 5s. Then I'll play <laughs> it on day one. Well, yeah, well, well retail, retailers historically have, like, not necessarily complied with what like the people selling the product wanted to do like there have been plenty of times where games got leaked early from GameStop or Walmart or whatever before the release date so like you know like some of it could be the retailers but some of it also like that sounds like something was like oh they just went the opposite direction that just sounds like a Sony bigwig was like yeah this is what we're gonna do and everyone just kind of had to take the L on it but you know, you're gonna get you're gonna get it when you get it. Like some of that stuff, like, some, like 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 come on, dog. Like people will not remember when PS3 came out. You know how hard it was to get a PS3 and an Xbox 360 when them joints first came out. Like or when the Wii came out. Like this yeah. isn't oh, this the isn't Switch. Was the Switch, yeah. good the God. Switch yeah. yeah, so this isn't a new phenomenon. People using bots and hype be scalping people isn't a new phenomenon, and. You know, well, the pandemic, that's a new phenomenon, but <laughs> more people than ever yeah. trying to, like, pull stuff, like, there's a lot of people who were not going to get a PS5 who were like, well, shit, I ain't got nothing else to do, let me get this PS5. Yeah. So, like, yeah. It, this is a combo of new stuff where it's expected that there'd be a shortage, and if you look at just past how console releases have gone, it's ain't really new. No. And you know what? I forgot about the PS3, and this isn't really connected to that. So it was my bar mitzvah present. It was the only bar mitzvah present I got. My parents did not let me get all the money, so that's kind of fucked. That bitch cost $600 for 60 gigabytes. It, really? it cost $600 for that fucking, like, battleship-looking one. Yeah, that was, I like, that one. Oh, my shit. Dude, craziness. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we don't need to talk about the price points, but I guess it's worth mentioning that they're doing the digital edition, which will be, I think... Four hundred dollars, and then the disc edition, which the only three ninety nine, Mike. Oh, excuse me, three ninety nine. I am the Jew here, so I should be particular around this. Um, yeah, there goes our sponsorship for this episode. Every episode, somehow we find a new way to lose potential sponsors. Um, Man of Shepherd's wine, no longer yeah. sponsoring us. <laughs> Look it up, Lisha <laughs> bitches. Um, and then, so the only difference is the disc. You have the ability to add that disk drive for a hundred extra dollars. The console is exactly the same. I'm gonna get the disk drive. I know Savon, you are the main reason being that a games are getting more expensive. A lot of games are gonna be seventy dollars when they release. So kind of that having the ability to maybe trade a game in or give it to a friend is really gonna probably get you your money's worth for that extra hundred dollars down the line. Yeah, I always trade single. I always uh, get my single players on disc just because I can always give them to friends who. I want them to play it, but I don't expect them to buy it. I don't expect, yeah. I don't expect my homeboy to buy God of War, but if I gave him the disc for free, be like, yo, man, if you got some time, check this out, you know, and then vice versa. So, Dude, I did that, but then my bum-ass friends began to fucking expect it. And then it was like, <laughs> I would buy the game, and it's like, what am I going to buy it for? I could just wait three weeks and then fucking do it. And my, like, my hype beast self, like, just day one is fucking no, it No, it's specifically for games that you... Well, yeah, I guess you're, you're. Yeah, you just need better friends. <laughs> <laughs> what game did I give you, Wes? I don't even remember. You let me borrow God of War. Oh, and you I, barely... I kind of stopped playing it. You didn't um, finish? I, I think I gave it like ten hours or something. Oh no, I didn't God. finish. Oh. He was still hanging around with the little son and like trying to teach him things, and I was oh, bored of it. Yeah, you mean is... the game hanging around the son? That's <laughs> literally the game. Uh, okay, well, like what are you doing? Oh yeah, playing as the god. Whenever that part's over. <laughs> yeah, it was annoying. Um, 
So, but then Mike was like, yeah, you need to give that game back. Yeah, because you were moving. Like, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> you were leaving the state. I was like, I'm not playing this anyways. Here, here's your game back. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get out of here. Um, so next, um, a few kind of things in superhero land. Um, the first being... Oh, wait, wait, can I say one thing about the, the PS4 or yeah. PS5 launch? Yeah. It's just small. Is that like, I don't know why, but this whole summer I'd been thinking like, you know, I'm going to get a PS5 when it comes out and da-da-da, and it, like, really didn't, like, cross my mind. I knew it'd be, like, people would want it, but I didn't think it'd be, like, limited. And I think my expectations was, like, you know, Apple phones, they're hard to get, but, like, you can get one within, like, a month when they drop, right? Like, if yeah. you want one at the beginning. But now I'm like, shit, man, like, I may not have a PS5 for, like, another six months. Uh, and that was just, like, something that, like, I, doubt I thought it would be about. That long. I'd be surprised if I, it was that long. Yeah, well, like, they're not taking orders, right? So, like, I mean... Maybe if they op- once it launches, maybe they'll take online backup orders yeah. or whatever back orders. But if they don't, if they're like, no, you have to find it in a store, like that shit could go on for a long time before you really lock in and like find one. Ugh, um, calling fucking every GameStop. It's gonna be like yeah, hand like, sanitizer. No, I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. So dude, the funniest, uh, the funniest, might be a while. The last thing we'll say, and then we're getting out of here because we've been in this All for right. like 25 minutes. Um, I saw this funny tweet. It was like they're essentially calling like GameStop a cuck for selling like the digital edition, like they were marketing it. It's like, please buy this console, it's gonna put us out of business. <laughs> <laughs> that last hoorah. All right, well, we'll get out of here. So, couple things in superhero land, and we're not gonna talk about the Mando trailer. Savon doesn't really watch trailers, so I don't know if you watch either of these trailers, but. We'll talk about, and I'm typically a Marvel guy, but I think there's actually a few cool things coming out of DC. The I don't first watch trailers thing, for things I like. Fair enough. All right, fair enough. The first one is being um, the Batman. So this is, so Batfleck, that kind of fell on its face. That's over with. The whole DC extended universe seems to have kind of fallen apart. So they're doing a new Batman. Um, this one is with Robert Pattinson of Twilight fame. Um, it's set during like Batman's second year of crime fighting and it's more like a dark, I've heard it described as almost like punk. Um, but, and it's kind of more of the detective thing. If you watch the trailer, Batman looks emo as fuck. Um, it's really cool. I don't know if y'all watch the trailer, if y'all have any thoughts, I'm pretty excited for it. Um, I think it looks pretty cool. I mean, it kind of looked like something of a continuation of Christopher Nolan's Batman series in a way, like in its grittiness and like kind of nihilistic. Um, but it, it also, it also kind of had its own vibe, right? Cause, uh, who, who's playing the commissioner? Somebody else, somebody interesting was playing the commissioner. I forget, but like, yeah, just like the, the whole thing with, uh, the Riddler. I don't know. Is that a spoiler? I think it's Mm -hmm. a, I I mean, it's pretty much the Riddler and like having kind of like that Heath Ledger, Joker-esque kind of vibe. I don't know. I like it. I like, I, I, I love those Batman movies. So, you know, something in that vein, I'm, I'm definitely open to. I think the one thing in the trailer that stood out and stood out as different from the Nolan, because I think it's obviously more aligned with what Christopher Nolan was doing rather than any of the, um, the newer Batfleck ones is like that shot at the end where he's just like beating the shit out of the one dude. And then not only does he like do the typical like Batman, like Kung Fu shit, but then when the dude's on the ground, he's just like really viciously punching him. And I think like that kind of 
I think they probably put that in the trailer to kind of like set the tone that this Batman might be a bit more unhinged than Christopher Nolan's was. So that really stood out to me. So I don't know. I think this looks really cool. And then Commissioner Gordon is um, Jeffrey Wright from yeah. Westworld. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Um, Andy Serkis is Alfred. And then so, Colin Farrell as the Penguin as well. So I think these were kind of like a bit too cartoony villains to put in the Christopher Nolan one. So I'm kind of excited to see what they do with that. Um, Jim Carrey, the goat Riddler. I always have mixed feelings about Batman as a character because there's so many like interpretations of him that they might as well be different superheroes. Like there's the cheesy, campy Adam West version. There's the... You know, there's the 90s George Clooney-ish one. There's the DC one where he's like the classic kind of gritty Batman. But like, I'm curious. I like the idea of them focusing on the detective aspect of things, mainly because I feel like in our modern like culture, I feel like Batman is actually starting to age poorly as a character. Like, in terms of being a billionaire who just beats the shit out of poor people, like, I think that's starting to like, I'm serious. Like, I think people are starting to look at that and say, mm, I don't know. But... I, yeah, really, I love I love those memes where it's like you're just trying to like buy an eighth of weed and Batman comes out and breaks your arm. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, but like it's a joke, but then you're thinking I'm like, yo man, that's like hockey some shit Batman would do. Like Batman would really beat the brakes off you, like, like yo, B, I'm just trying to get like this money because this dude said washed his warehouse. Little man, I'm just trying to go home. But but serious, but jokes aside, like I think yeah. if they lean into the detective part, which is something that's underexplored with him in terms of his, you know essentially omniscient skill set and if they lean into the him really being gritty and like actually traumatized and like that actually really leads to him doing straight up not good behavior but you know it makes him more of an anti-hero i think that'd be a really interesting take on the character like i that makes me excited for a character who i'm generally kind of like lukewarm about yeah i hope the creators of this movie aren't like isolated in a bubble and not paying attention to the what's going on in the world and and kind of try to address some of those things that you're talking about um but hands down i think my favorite take on batman is the one from the animated series Mm -hmm. and that's that is definitely a detective focused batman Mm -hmm. like he he's using his wits to solve crimes and he's old in that show right the cat the cat miss the whole cat miss conspiracy no, from Batman Justice Beyond, League. he's young, but in the animated series, he's kind of like a grown man, right? Oh, he's grown, yeah. Yeah, yeah but like his skill set. He's not like, old. Yeah, but okay. it's like, you know, he doesn't just beat people up. He does yeah. like, when he'll, he'll try and do a nonviolent method of doing things. He's a very balanced take on the character. Yeah. And he, he's more of a lurker in the shadows, right? Yeah. He's not this ball Freaker. buster. Guys, is Batman a cop? Is that what we just kind of like walked into? <laughs> I, mean, he's, I mean, he's a vigilante, and I'm not sure if he's the con that I'm okay with. Oh, God. He's like a right wing like, like what brand? Like no, like what brand? Like he's a vigilante. Like all right, cool. What brand of vigilante are you? Because I don't need you in my neighborhood, but beating people ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need Batman pushing me up against the wall. Where's One Eye Joe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was just trying to get some hot fries. <laughs> <laughs> You're hiding Jonah Hex. <laughs> oh shit. All right. Have you guys watched uh, The Boys? No, I, I've watched season one. Maybe we should talk about that next because that I yeah. think is a really awesome take on superheroes, and I need to and, watch. And I think two. that is that's the on take it. on superheroes that these new movies need to grapple with. I think is are they cops? 
But like, no, but yeah. you, I mean, if you watch the like, boys, you'll Watchmen, see what he means. Right? Like Watchmen's already tried that. All right, we'll, sure. we'll preview for episode eight. We'll do the boys season two. <laughs> yeah, um, Wesley, I, Wesley. By the way, I agree. I think um, this like some of these newer shows might be a better in like the modern context. I think it's mm-hmm. Watchmen is an amazing take for like its time period, which I love. When was that? Early nineties, late eighties, something like that. Well, yeah, but also the set piece of the story too. Like when it came out in like the nineties, eighties, with the story pieces in the sixties, yeah. not the 60s, Cold yeah. War, but like. Yeah, I'm curious to see that in like what a modern generate a modern like interpretation of that type of non-traditional superhero story looks like. And I think Watchmen I, uh, won I some Emmys, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This Watchmen, the HBO yeah, one, yeah. which is a I think phenomenal so. show. Um, I've been I've been working my way through it. It's heavy though. I mean, I think that was my problem with the boys. I watched like the first two episodes, but like in the first episode, I, I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's the first episode. Like, you know, the one guy like basically like forces the one the like the new superhero to like like oral pleasure him oh yeah the that the, you know the like, sexual as yeah. Him, like get in yeah yeah i mean you know like i was like yeah i get it but like it's also it was just like a lot to like take in on like episode one and like I mean, obviously that's the point um but it didn't make me want to like keep watching i was like this is just going to be depressing and there's like enough depressing things going on like in the past couple of years like I don't know. I just didn't stick with it. But like, if you want to talk about it, we definitely can't. Like, we'll we'll definitely. Watch it. When we get armies of fans, Wesley will be known as the sensitive one. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he ain't. Nah, he ain't wrong. Like, there's a bunch of stuff I don't watch. I'm like, yo, this is too heavy. The boys, it gets heavy, but I think the nonsense and like the campiness and humor kind of brings me in. But yeah, I can okay. complete. But I can completely understand like some of the stuff just being like, all right, I'm not about to watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like I read about this in the news already. Yeah, I'm like, just like Lauer situation, right? Like we don't need all that. Yeah, I'm just like this is entertainment to me right now. <laughs> yeah, like this is real. This is what happens to people, and I, I mean that's the point, right? Obviously. All right, well we'll get out of here. So before we right. get to Cora, Cora, or, oh, okay. or we could skip Justice League if y'all want. I really spent a lot of time. Right, just like Zack Snyder. Yeah. So there. What I guess the main thing is that this Justice League Snyder cut. So uh, Zack Snyder left the production, the post production of the Justice League movie, and it turned into just a completely different beast and a beast that was not well-received. So each... I didn't know... Wait, I didn't know that you just said in your brief that it was because his, his, his da- child had yeah, died. His daughter and died. I didn't know that that's why he had left. Yeah. I kind of thought, you know, it was just like creative differences, but that was something new that I that you shared. So Joss like, Whedon, oh, obviously of Avengers fame, um, oversaw some reshoots and some other changes that, as, as guess kind of described as adding a brighter tone... Um, and some more humor, and then it also cut the runtime down, cut it down to two hours, which is kind of crazy to cut it down to that. But what they're doing is they're going to go and release the Snyder Cut, so a darker take. They're going to initially release it as four-hour-long episodes, and then you can watch it as a movie, so kind of like that, um, what's it called? That uh, hateful eight, it's like a the, miniseries. Yeah, yeah. So they're gonna do it that way. I'm, I, I'm definitely gonna watch it. I love Batman. I have had zero interest in the DC extended universe, especially compared to how much I fucking love the MCU. So I'm gonna watch it. It's kind of crazy that this like internet thing got picked up by HBO Max, and they're gonna put it out. I don't know like the legality of how that's possible, but the trailer looks cool. It's got um. I can't remember what song it is, but it's got some kind of cool cover over it, um, and it's it should be pretty cool. I didn't watch Justice League, or I watched it briefly. Wonder Woman was kind of cool, but some of the other ones are a bit lacking, like Aquaman was a bit lacking, so we'll see. 
I have no no real input except I'm not super excited about it. Yeah, four I, hours I really of Zack Snyder's me. work. Zach's, like I don't. Yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like bad Zach for Snyder, the guy, like, but hasn't done anything. Yeah. What, what? He hasn't done anything where I'm like, yeah, man, I just implicitly trust that he's going to do something. 300, great. great movie. Sin City, great movie. Sin City wasn't that good. He didn't do Sin City. That was Robert Rodriguez. Oh, you're right. He did. And it was a fantastic movie, Wes. You're dead still wrong. Not that good, but okay. 300 right. was fun to watch as a teenager. 300 made my life as a teenager. You're right. Yeah, so maybe, maybe maybe the, the take is that the internet has gone away from itself with Zack Snyder. And it's just like, well, no, I don't think it's that. Of- I just think that he has like people who are like, like there are brands and things that I am loyal to that I'd be invested in. This is not one of those things. Like, yeah. But clearly there are Justice League fans and Zack Snyder fans who feel very strongly. And I hope that for them, this is whatever they want it to be. Like, it, like spoilers, it won't be. <laughs> hey, but for them, it might. Like, yeah. yo, if you gave me an extra three hours of Revenge of the Sith in any capacity, I'd watch it. Ooh, ooh. I don't care what you got to say. I can only get so erect. So you know they got some people for that, but they got people for that. way about Justice League who are just like diehard fans who say, "F it, I'm just gonna enjoy it because I love these characters." And, you know, I hope that that. Yeah, I, I mean, hope if that there's they one thing we've learned, Vani, in this podcast though, it's that like the internet and the internet fans are always really happy about like something they really care about and how it gets released by the person who actually makes it. They're just, they're always so thrilled about how it turns out. Yeah. So yeah. Slash S. All right. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I did not kill them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then the last thing, and we can kind of just dive into this. Um, so a few weeks ago, and we're a bit behind here, but a few weeks ago, um, the sequel series to The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, came out. Um, I think in quarantine, The Last Airbender got like a, one of those shows that people just really realized um, how great it is. Like my friend Michaela, who I don't think she's watched really any anime, like really loved The Airbender. So I hadn't seen Korra. I know, Savan, you'd seen it a while ago. Brian, you watched all of it. Um, I had not I've seen, never it. seen it. Wesley had never seen it. So I guess I don't want to talk, and we talked about this a bit before we started. I don't want to talk too much about like where the show goes and things like that. But I I think as I'm watching the beginning, like it's hard to not compare it to The Last Airbender. And even as I'm doing that, it just makes the show like that much more um, impressive. And I really, really in the beginning, I was like kind of confused with what they were going. It's a completely different direction, but I really love it. So I don't know what y'all's and if you remember what it was like in the beginning or just kind of like the world they created with that show. I don't know what y'all's thoughts are, um, kind of with how it compares to the other show. So I got to say, when I first watched Legend of Korra, like several years ago or whatever it was, I had never seen. The Last Airbender, really? right? So Legend of Korra was my entry into that whole universe. Okay. And I, I devoured it then. And then rewatching it since it came out on Netflix, man, and, and, and having watched The Last Airbender in between, like Legend of Korra is like that much more incredible in my eyes. Um, and, and, you know, because it, it you know, it, it's the maturation of, of that universe. Yeah. Was there anything specific that you you felt like, oh, like you were just like either impressed by or really enjoyed maybe more in Korra? Um, so when I first watched Korra, um, I was never into the pro-bending league storyline or like that 
that kind of like subplot i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> like yeah. why do i give a shit about this but having watched the last airbender and then revisiting it like the fact that they created this whole other subset which is an anime genre by itself you know like like the uh-huh. the team sports genre yeah. in anime like the fact that they they created that out of nothing out of like the whole concept of air bend, out of bending and like put it in the show and then also use it as a way to kind of introduce you to where bending has gone yeah. in the avatar universe i i actually thought it was really clever and and was like a it was a better way to like make somebody like cora likable because in a way she's a very unlikable character and, and that's how they wrote her so um yeah so but here we see her struggle yeah we see her struggle and succeed, right and, and also she fangirls which is like kind of nice and um yeah she struggles she succeeds she has to show teamwork right yeah. she's got to learn a lot of things it introduces us to these other characters um there's I, yeah it's a really cool ad, uh device it's uh, interesting to me around. you didn't like it because the note I had is like, A, it seems like a legit cool sport and I would pay a lot of money for a pro bending video game. But oh, it's also totally. Like, um, it's like, it's like, like the, the zones I, and shit yeah, and like I have the a PDF rules. of the rule set. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and as a Saints fan, I really identify with them getting cheated at the end there. Um, so. I wonder if it happened two years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, it's also like outside of like it's. I think that was such a great thing to do in the beginning because it, it's not just great character moments. It's also really cool world building, kind of how you were saying, like not just where bending's gone, but kind of like the world as a whole. And it's like look, like in the beginning, like once they hit that jazz in the beginning of the show and like the big band kind of stuff is like okay that's the direction we're going in and i thought that was cool and then like the 1920s like announcer voice like that just really like cements like the new world (laughs) they're in and i think like that is such a good supplement to the rest of the show because it's such a unique world and i think like their decision to not focus on the original gang not even focus on their children, like their children are now getting phased out. So it's just like two generations later. I thought that was really ambitious and it's something they pulled off really well. And they have a lot of small moments that like pay homage to the older characters and like things that aren't really like spoon fed, like the bloodbending in the beginning and like um, like all the, the shit Toph did and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. And then Katara is also in the very beginning. I don't know if she comes back later, but... Um, just like that moment was such a like passing of the torch mm-hmm. kind of and they did it so early and I just think that's like really that's like an ambitious thing to do to just like essentially like throw away this really like phenomenal show that people love and just take it in a completely new direction yeah um I want to comment a little on what Brian said because dude I didn't know that you had watched Korra then Airbender because that will completely skew my like interpretations of the shows because like if you anyone who's watched Airbender knows like dude different like societies of bending they are very much distinct separate societies so all of the cultural intermingling that is not a norm so it's wild to me that your introduction to the series is that all the benders already just coexist and this is such a normalized thing when if you watch Airbender that is like the seasons are literally in entire societies where you don't even see other styles of bending and so I felt similar that, like, I, I don't think I would have liked the pro bending either because 
my appreciation for the pro bending watching it was because I got to see, oh, look at this New York City style place that did not even remotely exist in a previous series. And like to the previous deck to your point, the world really gets beautifully fleshed out and built. But I think my fate and mature, but I think my favorite decision was them going full industrial revolution. They mm-hmm. didn't have to do that. It was an ambitious decision to Mike's point, but they really, and at first I, I wasn't a fan, but the season did a good job of establishing how this industrial revolution and technology gap can like shift the status quo, which is everything involving the equalists and the chi blockers and them just straight up having technology just hard up. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh yeah. Like that was, I don't know how I would like that if that was my introduction to the series, but it blows my mind. Like, I don't need like you, metal bending, like the build up to metal bending and airbender is amazing because it's like, not it's, it's it's like no one knows how to do it and it slowly gets hinted at but for you to see episode one with chief bayfong and not even know the backstory of how you got to that point you know i could see it shaping seriously how you um see the series but yeah i think but i just love them going all in on Korra being the polar opposite of ang i thought that was a great decision some people don't like Korra. i didn't like ang but they were their reasons are such a fun contrast, right? I thought Aang was a weenie. I thought, <laughs> but it's in character because he's a monk and that's his culture. And like, it makes yeah. sense. I'm okay with it as a character. And Korra is cool because she's like, she's a badass. She's about throwing hands and asking questions later, but her spiritual game is weak. And that was really fun of them just to say, like they were very intentional about like, and I tell people this, don't compare the two. They're different. Avatar is a story with a set beginning in like, hey, you know who the main villain is from episode one of Avatar and how this shit got to end. Korra is just not that. Don't compare them. It's Hmm. that was making me think that Korra maybe should have been a firebender, like as her has her base element, yeah, just because of how like hot headed she is. Um, and they show her using firebending a lot, right, in the the first few episodes. (laughs) Yeah. So that kind of, I wonder if like why they chose to go with waterbending for her but no it makes sense because the cycle yeah 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 yeah, but like they didn't have to right they could have just done it like another generation later right like it would have the same story well then you would have had to do a whole nother avatar well well no well no i think wesley has a fair point i think the show does a solid job though of establishing that like cultures have different philosophies on bending but that still but your personality still matters as much as well right like mm. like with katara mitama that waterbender or um or even when you see like uh what is it tarlock mm-hmm. like when he's doing this thing he's like an antagonist but his style of bending and how he does it is very like mean and like aggressive and like mm. so i think the, i think some of that is like you try to establish like just because your culture has this maybe like style or mindset attached to it that doesn't necessarily mean you as the individual that way so yes cora comes from like the peaceful healing culture but her personality is still this which is why she still struggles so much with airbending i thought that was a i i appreciate that touch and i don't want to like spoil later seasons but i think they do a good job of establishing that down the line too of like characters breaking the mold of what you would expect from a certain type of bender oh yeah and i think like the entire universe is predicated on this idea of balance and harmony Mm -hmm. and so if ang is too far to one side then it to me it made sense that the next avatar is going to go the opposite direction yeah and and like you know 
and still adhering to the the cycle of different elements that are, or culture that they come from. Um, yeah, so I I think like on so many levels, that's what makes chorus so fascinating is that like it just it just works in terms of how the world is built. It works in terms of like telling a new kind of story. It works in terms of like character development. Um, yeah, and it's fantastic for it. But my grievance um, is, I'm going to cut you off here, Brian, because I really need to share this because I haven't said everything. Do it. They, so, like, the big thing that the, the equalists have is these gloves that shock people. Yeah. The verb they use is electrocute, which means to die, like execute, is to be killed from electricity. I don't think they're killing all these people. I'm like, who is your editor? Like, this is just basic grammar here. Like, what is happening? Can't you get electrocuted by, yeah, like, putting a fork dying? in the socket? No, but like, electrocute yeah. is if you die from the shock. Yeah, uh, so what is it? What is it if you don't die? I don't know how you get shocked. Shocked? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, shock doesn't... But shock is also like, ugh. Like, if I say, oh, I got shocked, you're like, oh, you all right? Yeah, that no, would yeah. be a no great ability to have. I, yeah, no one's concerned <laughs> about a person who got shocked. Everyone's concerned about someone who got electrocuted. And uh, I don't know I, the middle ground word. Colloquialism, Mike. Did you think people died when they first got shocked in the arena? Did you think that Tenzin was dead? I I don't know. Like, I heard that. Actually, so now I'm the asshole because I looked up. I should have looked up the definition before I fucking went recording and being a dick. But it says. I feel like you can get electrocuted. It says to injure or kill someone by electric shock. But I remember reading on Reddit somewhere that electrocute means to die. So once again, (laughs) internet has betrayed me. Um, well, we solved that grievance. Well, Brian, I won't look uh, up definitions on Reddit anymore. Uh, I could do Our like five more minutes. Okay. I have one thing to say, I think, that's maybe useful for this conversation. The rest of it, I feel like I just enjoyed the show and, you know, I'm just kind of a dumbass about it. I'm just like, oh, this is cool. Like, awesome. I think one is that I don't necessarily love the, like, the, like, love triangles situation or love rectangle that's going on, but... um but I do think that leads into like the whole show in general is a much more mature show, right? They're taking on these like really like sociological questions and psychological questions that I think Avatar didn't necessarily take on. And I don't know. I mean, obviously it's intentional. So like I wonder if the show creators thought like actually some of our Airbender watchers are going to be older now. And so they can like take on like bigger ideas or deeper ideas, or whether they were just like, actually, we just want to create a show that's at a different target audience now. Um, but I've just enjoyed that aspect of it, that like it's not just the firebenders are bad and taking over the world and we must stop them, right? Like a Star Wars situation, but it's actually more like like the airbenders, or not the airbenders, the benders in general aren't necessarily like blameless in this society, right? Like the equalists are... are right into the populace <laughs> yeah right there's merit the to their argument <laughs> yeah right they're tapping into this idea that like hey we're second class citizens in this world and like that wasn't the case in avatar right like everybody who's a bender was noble for the most part in in um in airbender or in in the one with ang except the fire you know the firebenders but like yeah it just isn't that right like it's not these like big conglomerates of armies coming out it's like actually this machine is set up in a way that's like unfair for certain people. And like the fact that Amon is able to tap into that is like, is something that like now resonates obviously with like Trump and Sanders, right? Like those kinds of things are now coming 
like are very apparent in our society and so like i just thought that that was cool that there's a lot of connections here between like you know george orwell and our society now and all of these things that are going on that they're putting into like an animated show that's like theoretically for kids who are like 12 right like in you know aimed at them at least so oh, that was cool no core gets really dark down the line like i don't know if wait you have you Wesley, you said you finished this season I finished season one, so yeah. So you saw the finale. Uh, well, I won't spoil it. Yeah, I won't but yeah, spoil I it. But like, you finale. saw the finale, so you see what I'm hinting at. And like, as you watch it down the line, it gets dark. And in terms of just like, oh, they really went there. Like, they're not pulling punches with some of the moments, and like, it drives that point home. But Wesley, particularly the part about like the populace and all of that, that stuff really made the Equalist storyline really aged well, in my opinion, with the current state. Because when I tell you, when I was watching the episode when the Metal Bender police were rounding up the nine benders in the night, like, right. that shit really had me, like, feeling some kind of way. I was like, yo, like, I love Chief Bayfong as this character, but also, like, yo, your people really rounding up innocent citizens and whatnot. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to pretend like that didn't feel very, very relevant to what's happening right now. And you have to decide, like, you know, police relations, but then Bayfong is a good person. But what does that say about this system? And, like, it... It makes you like it, like I said, especially with what's going on right now, like it's, it hits home, makes you have to reflect a little bit. And I don't think a lot of shows age well to where that stuff, you know, (laughs) it resonates. So Batman and Metal Benders. (laughs) (laughs) They got issues. And and (laughs) Spider-Man. They need some better training or something. Um, I think... Legend of Korra, I mean, it's it's a lot like other anime. It's not true of, like, uh, American cartoons, but I think other anime do this where, you know, they'll have Dragon Ball, which is more like the kid-friendly version, and then they'll go to Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. uh, which takes it to another level. Naruto, Naruto Shippuden. Um, I was today years old when I learned that Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z are different. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I had no yeah. Idea. yeah. Goku's I a kid. Nah, Goku's a kid, bro. They're doing flying on staffs and doing all this little ch- chill shit. <laughs> I mean, and the I had no idea. Harry Potter, Harry Potter universe six times. <laughs> um, uh, Full Metal. What is it? Full Metal. Full Metal Alchemist. Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they do that too, right? Um, it's dark. I think the thing with Airbender and Legend of Korra is that like Airbender, I. I think it still does go pretty deep. Like uh, it, it still does like hit you in a in a profound way. Like you know the way they talk about interpersonal dynamics and emotions. Um, I thought all of that is like phenomenal for little kids to dive into. And then Cora is like taking those ideas, but expanding it to the outside world, like the society that you apply those. You know that emotional IQ within and how society makes that or how society challenges those ideas. Um, and yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. It, you know, it matures with the the audience and, um, and just wait till you get to the later seasons, especially season three. Mm. I mean, the, the way that they force core to confront all of these big political issues I mean, I think that's just something unheard of in American cartoons and animation. Like, um, and makes it must must watch television, particularly in twenty twenty America. 
Right. Good job, boys. Yeah. 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 All right. Confident not a lot wrong. of chaotic evil. Like, Korra does not have just a bunch of chaotic evil villains compared to, you know, the Fire Lord, who's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and on Even that to note, his son. And on that note, Confidently Wrong, Episode 8. Forever. It's in the bag. Oh, it was nice to be here. Was that what our was that our best episode? I, th- I think that was. All right, cool. well, what's up? all right, good job, boys. Um, this was yeah. fun. Glad y'all had me on. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks for joining again. us. Absolutely, we need to do it again. We'll do it again. Do the boys. Um, I think yeah, now we watch the boys. I, I think we can put this one out and try and I don't know what put it on Reddit. I guess. <laughs> well, people listening, you know what to do. Drop friends. us a five-star review. All of that stuff in the Apple Store, even though we're not actually there. But, you know, one day we will be, and then you'll drop us those reviews. I don't know. We got a nice little foursome here, guys. I like that. Yeah. They already know. <laughs> <laughs>